the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ, Lord. The text for our sermon is from this week's appointed Gospel reading. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. One of my guilty pleasures has always been zombie apocalypse movies and shows. And a few years ago, I decided to start watching the Walking Dead series. It's made by AMC, and the show follows survivors, mainly one man, Rick, as they travel through America in the aftermath of a zombie apocalypse. Now, in the beginning of the show, it seems that you become a zombie after being bit by a zombie. However, spoiler alert, later on, it's found out, they find out in a plot twist, that being bit by a zombie only accelerates the, the disease which everyone else already has. Now, everyone already has the zombie disease. It just remains dormant inside of you until you die, and then it takes over. Truly scary stuff. Now, it might be scary, a little scary, watching it in the moment, but the instant you get a little bit of separation from it, you talk about it with other people, you realize how ridiculous it really is. How ridiculous the entire notion of zombies actually is. Now, in our text for today, Jesus throws a plot twist at the Jews and the disciples. The religious life of the Jews had become centered on ritual cleanliness, fleeing from uncleanliness, from things that would defile them. The understanding that certain things would make one clean and unclean, not clean from germs, at least not always, you know, doing things like 
washing your hands before this, not going near certain people, think the good Samaritan and the lepers, don't touch certain things, don't go into certain houses, wear the right clothes, do the right things at the right time of the year, etc., etc. Now, although these laws might seem a little ridiculous to us, most of them are actually commanded in the Levitical law. And although the Jews had expanded them and become too focused on them, it's hard to blame them for fleeing from the things that God had told them would defile them. And now they see the disciples doing things which would make them unclean. So they're upset. Because earlier in this chapter, the disciples had been seen eating in public with unwashed hands. Gross for you and I, but ceremonially unclean for the Jews. The Jews believed that the disciples were defiled. They thought that that the disciples were defiled because they did not, the, the Jews thought that the disciples were defiled because the Jews didn't know who Jesus was. When Jesus took on flesh and became man, when he dwelt among us, he changed everything. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, they all thought they understood God's system. They thought they understood his plan. They didn't understand that the coming of the Messiah would change everything. The plot, twi- the plot twist was that no longer would the act of washing make you clean. No longer would certain foods be clean or others unclean. It was now Jesus who would make things clean. But, like every good plot twist, the more you look back at what already happened in the story, the more it makes sense. The more you think about the story thus far, you see that this was the truth the whole time. And the same applies here. It was always God who was the one declaring things clean and unclean. It was him cleaning and cleansing different things. It was always his will, his word, acting through ritual purification, acting through sacrifices. And now, his word has come down to an unclean earth, to a defiled world. That's what they didn't understand. They didn't understand that Jesus was God. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand how Christ could get down into our dirt, our sin, our defiled world. But when he does, he comes and he does what Jesus does. He cleans, he cleanses, he cures the sick, heals the wounded, gives sight to the blind, makes the lame walk, makes the mute shout for joy, and he eradicates sin. And oh boy, does he have sins to get rid of. The world has become so defiled. The list he gives us here is pretty extensive. There is no escaping. Now, some of these we maybe are better at avoiding than others. Murder, sexual immorality, but very few. 
I see most of these every day in myself and also in the people around me. Which one of these, of this list of sins, hits home for you? Slander, envy, deceit, pride? Well, it doesn't matter which one relates to you the most because each one has the exact same effect. Each one of these things defiles you. The Greek word for defile literally means to make common. These things, they make us, they make you just like everyone else. Just like those who don't know the law, those who don't go to church every Sunday. Now sure, we think we can cover them up, hide them, pretend that we are clean. We can do the whole comparison game, I'm not as bad as that person. We can pretend our pride doesn't make us just as unclean as a person who lives in a homosexual lifestyle. We can try to hide behind our works. We go to church. We give money. We use the hymnal. We can try as hard as we can to escape our defiled selves. But there is no escape. No matter what we do, there is no escape. There are ten seasons and a spinoff of The Walking Dead. I gave up somewhere around the middle of season seven. The plot just kind of trails off and I, I didn't know what was going on anymore. So, I don't know what happens at the end. I don't know if they find a cure for the virus, if they all die, if they make it to a safe haven and they live the rest of their lives in peace. But I do know what happens in your future, because I know what happened in the past. The plot twist for you and I is that Jesus, with full knowledge of your sin and my sin, took it upon himself and died for us. He died for us, and he died for the whole world. In one night, in one moment, the sins of the world were forgiven, the defiled world was cleansed. Now, from the outside, you and I, we look dirty. The world looks dirty. But we know the plot twist. We know the secret. We know that no matter how bad things get, no matter how defiled a person looks, there is always forgiveness. There's always a chance. We know that even though we are so full of sin, even though we can check off for ourselves many things on this list, they have no power over us. We have been washed. We have been made clean in our baptisms. And now we are free to flee from those things. We are free to cling to Christ. Because he is the only one who can truly cleanse us. We are free to cling to him and allow him to produce in us new things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As forgiving Christians, these are the things which we strive to produce. And these are the things that Christ works through us. 
Now, I'm still pretty new here. I'm just starting to get to know you and all the things that defile you. But I have already seen so much of the good fruit that you produce. I have seen so much evidence of Christ's work in you. The other week, uh, my wife, my daughter, and I, we went to the farmer's market in Brookfield, uh, and we just kind of walked around, a little too afraid to buy anything due to our lack of cooking experience. Uh, But as we walked around looking at the fruits and the vegetables, I thought that maybe that would be a pretty good metaphor for what looking at the work of our church should look like. Now, sure, there are ugly tomatoes, the bruised squash, the strange healing crystal stand. You can't escape all those things. But for every ugly bruised tomato, there are five times as many beautiful tomatoes. For every time we fail, for every time we sin against one another, there are five times as many opportunities for forgiveness. Opportunities to move on, to seek new ways to serve God and to serve our neighbor. So, let us do those things. Let us serve our neighbor, serve God, and produce good fruit together. Because there is lots of work to do. There are ministries to support, boards to fill. But don't just do those things to do them. Do them with the recognition that it is Christ who is moving in you. And that it's Christ who is going to work through that board or that ministry. So, let us do our work together trusting in our baptisms, trusting in the forgiveness and the purification that only Christ can bring us. In the name of Jesus, amen. We rise. And now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your minds and your hearts in the true faith into life everlasting. Amen.